0: I mean, the current marketing platforms are really designed with the specific marketing process in mind. Marketing generates leads for the new business. They nurture them and pass them to sales when they're ready. And marketing automation tools are very good at that process, but they're not built for what's needed today, navigating across accounts, people, and buying centers, tracking the buyer behavior off our site as well as on our site, and supporting a dynamic synchronized process where marketing and sales work as a team.
1: The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind—to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the B2B MX podcast. I'm your host Claudia Tarico, editor of Demand Gen Report. And man, I'm a little tired, I'm not gonna lie. We just wrapped our B2B Marketing Exchange Next Level ABM virtual event a few days ago, so I'm still recovering from all the planning, but I'm on cloud nine over yet another successful event. If you missed it, there's still time to get access to close to 100 sessions on demand, so check it out for sure. Today's podcast is a replay from our event back in February, and it stars a man that honestly needs no introduction. If you're in the B2B space, you know John Miller. He is a true marketing pioneer, the co-founder of Marketo, founder of Engagio, which was acquired by Demandbase just last year, and now he's the chief marketing and product officer at Demandbase. Miller predicted marketing automation's rise, and during today's episode, he will share his new predictions of how marketers will need to align themselves to customers, bottom of the funnel metrics, and post-sale revenue. He'll also discuss recent trends in buying and how new research on sales and marketing alignment highlight the explicit ways revenue teams can set themselves apart from the competition. And of course, much, much more. So let's kick it off. Enjoy everyone.
0: Hey everyone, this is John Miller here. I am currently the Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Demandbase. I joined Demandbase back last June when we merged Demandbase with the company I founded, Engageo, uh, to form what we really think is the most powerful ABM platform out there. But many of you know me better from my role before Engageo, which was as the original co-founder and original Chief Marketing Officer at Marketo. So that's kind of the story I want to talk about you know we started marketo almost 15 years ago uh, and and really there's a key problem that marketers were facing at the time which was for the first time they were really generating online leads at scale and they needed a place to you know capture these leads uh, and then figure out what to do with them if they weren't yet ready um, gosh you got to remember like back in 2005 you know Google AdWords was only a few years old. So in this era, you know, with marketing automation, marketing really began to own the top of the funnel, using the tools to send emails, capture leads, pass them to sales when they were ready, who in turn would then kind of take over and own the deal uh, through close and post-sale growth. As marketers, we were the owner of email, which meant that we controlled the keys to the communication. And it was all exciting and it helped marketing to really build credibility and respect marketers became part of the revenue engine and really evolved from being uh, the, the department that threw parties and made color brochures to becoming a real driver of pipeline and revenue. But the world's changing and you know, the marketing automation tools aren't necessarily keeping up. So let's talk about some of these changes. You know, first is that the top of the funnel is changing. The rise of privacy regulations like GDPR means that it's harder for marketers to send email at the the top of the funnel. And yet we also have tools like outreach and sales loft that have really become popular, which means that at many companies, the sales team is actually sending more email at the top of the funnel than marketing. Marketers lost kind of being the sole owners of the keys to communication. We move down the funnel, it's flipped around again. You know, buying committees are bigger than ever with 12 to 16 people. There's no way that a salesperson can truly be talking one-to-one with each stakeholder on that buying committee. And yet that's exactly talking to big groups is exactly what marketing is good at. So marketing has to play a bigger role at the bottom of the funnel. If we start looking post-sale, we have this interesting disconnect where. Where companies are actually getting more, the vast majority of their revenue after the initial sale, especially because of recurring revenue and, and the focus on expansion. And yet, built into the marketing tools, uh, the marketing automation tools, is a very strong bias towards net new business, the new lead, the new opportunity. So, there's a big mismatch between how the marketing automation tool wants to focus on new business versus the revenue happening kind of post sale. Limitations of lead-based approaches. I mean, here we are, we've been talking about ABM for six years now or so. Uh, it just makes sense. You know, Companies wanna move up market, focus on their ICP. Doesn't make sense for marketers to be looking at leads while salespeople look at accounts. And yet this whole account-based focus is just foreign to the lead-based marketing automation systems. Some more subtle changes. Uh, you know, buyers have always been hard to reach. Uh, they, they, you know, don't want, they're going to opt out, tune out, toss out anything they don't want. Um, and yet what we've actually seen is that buyers today want to fill out forms even less than they did in the era of market automation. You know, market automation tools live by the form. They need the buyer to fill that form out so they can get cookied and so you can track that person's behaviors. Um, that's sort of gone away as buyers today really don't want to fill out the form because they know if they do, they're going to get unwanted phone calls and emails. And so as a result of that, more and more of that research that people typically would have done on our site is happening off-site, which means the whole marketing automation tool's ability to kind of monitor the digital body language and, and sort of score leads based upon what they did on your site is becoming less effective. And and the research is happening on third-party sites and those intense signals are hidden to traditional marketing automation. So you add that all up. I mean, the current marketing platforms are really designed with the specific marketing process in mind. Marketing generates leads for the new business. They nurture them and pass them to sales when they're ready. And marketing automation tools are very good at that process, but they're not built for what's needed today, navigating across accounts, people and buying centers, tracking the buyer behavior off our site as well as on our site, and supporting a dynamic synchronized process where marketing and sales work as a team. Put simply, you won't be able to deliver on the B2B for today and for the next decade using technology that was built more than a decade ago. So what's next? How do we move forward? Talk about a three-step process uh, called find, engage, and close. So our fancy transition there tells us we're going to move on to the next one. So the first one here really is find. How do we really start to focus on the most valuable accounts? So you know this requires me to do a little bit of a dive into some ABM account-based uh, everything theory. And the first thing to know is there's not, we're not talking about a one size fits all. There's multiple kinds of account based strategies that you can have. So at the very top of that funnel, there's your classic one-to-one. This is, this is your deep account research and then you use that to create truly customized bespoke interactions you know, for each account. It's a significant investment. Up to fifty thousand dollars per year per account, which means it's really only appropriate for your major deals, strategic deals, your seven-figure, three million, four million, ten million-dollar deals. As a result, a companies typically will only have a small handful of these accounts. If you move down, the next level is, a more, is what's called one to few. You know, you can have you're going to spend an order of magnitude less on these accounts, maybe five thousand dollars per account per year. Uh, but the deal sizes are also an order of magnitude smaller, you know, between say a million, you know, half a million, million, half, that type of thing for these deals. What you're going to typically do is focus on micro clusters of say 20 accounts that are focused on very similar business issues. Use that research to really speak to the account with a moderate level of personalization. One level down further, one to many. This is where a lot of companies are actually living in the sort of 50 to 250K deal deal size. Um, This is broader broader programs, lighter personalization, much more use of technology, things like intent data and advertising that we'll talk about. Um, But as a result, it's much more scalable. Companies can have, well, interestingly, a median of 500 accounts, but but on average, companies have over 6,000, which means there's clearly some companies that have very, very large lists that they're kind of going after. And which really then blurs into the bottom category, what I'd call targeted demand generation. This is you know basically traditional marketing tactics where you're just going off after specific accounts. So there's no one right style. The key is to use the style that matches your selling price. Once you understand that, you can go into what I think is one of the most important foundational things to put an account-based strategy in place, which is to define your entitlements. So an entitlement is basically the contract of how marketing and sales agree you're going to treat each account, whether you follow exactly one-to-one, one to review, one-to-many, or you create your own tiers, the tier A, tier, tier B, tier C, or so on. But it's basically says, marketing is going to do this. Sales is going to do that. For example, you know everybody's going to get direct mail, but the tier A accounts get very expensive, high-end direct mail. The tier C accounts are going to have something much more lower cost. One thing to think in mind is you're going to have actually two styles of entitlements. You're going to have evergreen entitlements, which are going to be accurate or true kind of year round. Once you've said an account as a tier B, you will always be running these things for that account in an ongoing basis you should also think about your triggered entitlements for when you see an account uh, is either showing signs of being in an active buying process which we'll talk about in a minute or maybe they have a new executive some triggered thing happens that makes you want to focus on them a little bit more than the others that would be a different set of entitlements that you'll define but Do this work, like really have marketing and sales, sit down, map out these entitlements. Not only will that get sales and marketing working together nicely, but it'll also start to tell you exactly how many accounts you can have. Because, you know, if you're saying each tier A account is going to get a $500 gift, let's just say, making stuff up, there's going to be a limit to how many of those you can really afford to do. Now, once you know exactly how many accounts you can have in each tier, you can then start to use science to sort of make sure you're focusing on the right ones. I like to use this FIRE acronym to help focus you on the accounts that that make the most sense. So in the FIRE acronym, your F, that stands for your fit, which, how close is this account to your ideal customer profile? Is this somebody you wanna go after? The I stands for intent, you know, and intent data is the ability to track what people are researching off out in the open web, not people, what accounts are, uh, because you can't track individual people, but you can do account ID to match it to the company. You know, so what what topics are your accounts uh, showing interest in, whether it's your products, your industry, or your competitors? The R stands for relationship. You wanna know, is this an account my salespeople are already talking to Are they emailing them? Do we have a meeting? Is there a closed, lost opportunity? All that context is really important. And then the E stands for your engagement. Are they spending time with you? Are they coming to your website, downloading your content, attending your events? And then you can actually combine all of these into another metric we call pipeline predict, which is that kind of showing, is this account in market right now? It's that trigger, if you will, for kind of bumping the account up to the next level. So use your FIRE to help just pick the accounts into each tier and then your pipeline prediction to identify the accounts that are in market that kind of get bumped up. And that's how you're gonna find the accounts that matter uh, so that you can really kind of focus them in this new modern way. Which brings us to our fancy transition uh, of, we found the accounts, now we need to actually engage with them. We know who we want to go after, how are we going to actually do it? So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about ABM. Many of you may have heard me in the past describe ABM as fishing with spears. It's a great analogy. Demand gen's fishing with a net. You throw out your campaigns. You don't care which responds. You just care, did like they catch enough? ABM is fishing with spears, going after the big fish, which is a good analogy, but something that we haven't talked about enough, I never talked about enough, is that getting poked by a spear doesn't feel very good. you know? And and implied in that is that ABM is about, classic ABM is about reaching out to accounts regardless of whether they wanna hear from us. Um, that's not a very good customer experience. It's And frankly, it's not that effective because people don't wanna be marketed to, they don't wanna be sold to. And so what we need is a new new approach to the account-based strategy, one that puts the account experience right at the center. And that and does that by being really smart about where that buyer and that account is in their journey and making sure you're aligning the right interaction to the stage. That's how we're gonna engage these accounts. So there's a lot of research out there on the buyer's journey. Part of my favorite comes from Gartner here. Where they've described the six buying jobs that every account has to go through you know before a b2b team makes a purchase they have to check each box notice by the way the bottom two which i think are super important and overlooked you know it's the whole kind of making sure everybody on the buying team is kind of you know working together so these are really important for your content strategy, make sure you've got content aligned to each of these buying jobs. Uh, it'll really help your, your, your business. But it's also, you know recognize that, again, according to Gartner, the, the buyer doesn't go through the journey in a linear fashion. They're bouncing all around and up and down and they have a meeting and things go backwards and then they go forwards. Um, and it's a very chaotic, messy you know, buyer's journey between the start and the purchase decision. So as a vendor, how do we make sense of this? How can we align our marketing to the buyer's journey when their process looks like this? And and I have an analogy I think works really well, which is that you can use something like yard lines to track the nonlinear process. Think about the path a football takes when it's on the field. You know, it goes forward, it goes backwards, it gets passed back and forth. It moves in a very non-linear fashion as it goes towards a goal. And yet there's these yard lines on the field, at least for American football. Um, And the yard lines tell us two things. The first thing that the yard lines tell us is where are we? And it tells us, you know, what is our likelihood that we're actually gonna be able to score? The second things the yard lines tell us is kind of what play should we run? Because if I know I'm on my 20-yard line, I better go long. If I'm on their two-yard line and I'm ready to score, you know I'm going to run the ball or do something like that. So it's just an analogy. But even though the buying process is nonlinear, I still think we can put yard lines in place to help us guide the process. So this is what it looks like, for example, at Demandbase. You know, everybody can customize your journey, and you should customize your journey to match your business. But at a high level, it might look something like this. The top, you're gonna have your accounts that are qualified. Just who who matches your ideal customer profile. From there, you can subset it. Well, which of those accounts are showing awareness for the category? Are are they showing intent on those third-party sites? Engaged or now, are they coming to my website, my program? You can see how these tie to some of those scores I talked about a minute ago. MQA is my favorite. This is sort of a play on the classic MQL. It's the marketing qualified account. And this is where we use that pipeline prediction and intent data to know, is this account in market? Are they in showing the signs of being in a buying cycle? Because if they are, that's the magic moment when they actually may be open to us reaching out from sales. Opportunity, customer, post-sale, those all uh, are pretty self-explanatory. Once you've defined the buyer's journey, now you're at that magic place where you can start to really align your interactions uh, to the journey.
1: And now a word from our sponsor. Are you struggling to see results from your ABM strategy? Are you having trouble getting company-wide buy-in? Well, look no further. Demand-based CMO John Miller created a definitive guide with actionable insights, including tips and best practices every B2B company needs to know. Click the link in the show notes to learn more.
0: So you can think about at the very top of that journey, uh, you know, finding the accounts that are qualified, and those, you're just trying to get them to sort of like you. (laughs) And so this is thought leadership and emotional branding, uh, just for those, because they aren't even aware of your category yet so that you just want them to know you and to like you. As they move down, accounts that are sort of showing intent or actually starting to engage with you, you can move from the brand building emotion towards logic with thought leadership and education. Help them see you and your company as experts. Uh, Help them to uh, trust you because you're a thought leader. When you get to that magic moment of MQA, you can identify the accounts that are in market actually wanting to hear from you but before they raise their hand on your website you're going to reach out in a very coordinated way and make sure that you are you're you're covering all your bases even further down hit the validation and consensus building across the buying committee and then for customers think about really enhancing the post-sale experience with things like adoption and best practices so once you can, as you can track where the account is, it gives you those clues to know the right way to engage. If you dig into that MQA stage for a second, you know, this is where I think you want to go multi-channel and really think about, you know, making sure you're touching the account from every every angle in every direction. So maybe when the account hits the MQA, you'll have your SDRs reach out using um, a sequence or a cadence, you might also send the key decision makers at that company a direct mail package, and then even trigger your sales team to, to do other things. You might set up a web personalization so that if they come to your site, you know, but they're showing that signs of being in market, you recognize them uh, and sort of give them the appropriate content, which is different than you might do if they're at a different stage. Okay, so that really now takes us to our, our third major strategy here, which is close. you know, find, engage, close. How are we going to really have sales and marketing work together in a new way? Um, More as a team, as opposed to a baton handoff. And I've sort of made this point, you know, the, the traditional marketing baton to sales is really becoming outdated, especially when the buyer's journey is so dynamic as we've talked about And a much better model to go forward is orchestration, is the soccer team or the football team where you pass that ball back and forth, you pass the customer engagement back and forth uh, in a coordinated way. Topo, the research firm says that if you can get this right, that's the number one driver of account-based success. So there's really three levels of this kind of sales and marketing alignment. The first one is aligning the data just making sure that everybody in marketing and sales are looking at the same data. Uh, whether that's, you know, which marketing campaigns are people re- at that account responding to, or whether sales is actually emailing or calling those accounts. Getting basics like lead to account matching in place, uh, email tracking and logging, you know, is kind of the the, the foundation to that step one. Step two is now you start proactively alerting each other, you know, letting the sales team know about key insights. Maybe they have an account that they, is on their target list that is suddenly showing intent. Well, maybe they want to know about that. Or maybe they have an open opportunity that has you know, all, been all over the website, but they actually haven't had any interactions with in two weeks. That's a good alert as well. Setting up smart alerts and proactively pushing them is, is really important. And then step three is to really start to work together like that soccer team, coordinating those interactions. So how do you do that? Well, there's lots of technology you can buy, including demand-based. But fundamentally, I just have a tip I want everybody to sort of think about, which is there's no better strategy I found than just putting in place an account stand-up. Every two weeks, let's just say, the marketer, the SDR, and the salesperson get together in a meeting. That's it, no managers, no executives, just the account team that's thinking about how do I really engage you know, this reps list of accounts. And you talk about them, you talk about what's happening and what strategies and plays you wanna run. It sounds really simple folks, but there is no, nothing you can do that is as easy to really get going uh, with good coordinated AVM strategies and tactics. Okay, so find, engage, close. I just wanted to wrap just a bit because I get asked about it in this context. Okay, marquee automation is the old technology. Well, what's the new technology? And, and obviously, it's it's some kind of account-based technology. Um, Topo maps out kind of all the pieces of a modern account-based technology stack. Intent data is really important, you know, whether you get that from demand base or somebody else. So really, you know, the ability to know who's in market for your products. Account data, you know, for your firmographics, your technographics, what are the technologies they use? Contact data, so you know who to go after. If you get to the sort of the core technology, you have your sales engagement platform, like Outreach or Sales Loft, your traditional marketing automation still plays a role. Um, Lead to account matching, I mentioned earlier, and then the account based platform. You know, some account-based platforms will do the lead to account matching for you. Then there's a ton of channels. Uh, you know, some of them are not necessarily account-based, but you can use them. Others, like account-based advertising, are inherently very account-based um, because they can tar- you can put your ad specifically targeting the account. Uh, and then you obviously need measurement and so on. So, you know, I love this chart from Topo because it kind of gives you a little sense of where should you focus your time and energy. You know, at the very, very top right here, you know, the sort of the most impactful and most satisfied technologies are those account based platforms, the lead to account matching, the account advertising. Um, You see the intent data and the account data kind of, you know, there in the center. Uh, I think mostly that's just because this report was 2019 intent data has just become the hottest thing out there and people are paying a ton of attention to it. So I do encourage you to kind of check that out. So that's the presentation, folks. You know, to kind of wrap things up, <clears throat> you know, as I said, the marketing automation tools were built for a different time. They're not account-based. They're, they track behavior on your site, but they don't track the third-party intent data. They sort of really assume a marketing and sales baton handoff focusing on new business and not this orchestrated method I'm talking about of working kind of together at every stage of the journey. So it is time to sort of be thinking about new processes and new technology. Uh, if you just want some thoughts on how to kind of just get started, what do you do first? These are my quick, my best kind of takeaways. Really, whether you use predictive analytics or just your own methodology, think about those four pieces of fire to really align on the target accounts. Who are you going after? Number two, put those entitlements into place. You know, it, it again, it, just, it goes so far to just make sure everybody understands when you say this is a tier one account, what are we going to do? Get those eight, I call it ABX here. Get those account based stand ups in place. You know, easy, fast, big results, and then start forth delivering those intent engagement insights to your sales team. Just getting them those alerts is, or putting in Salesforce is so powerful. Uh, and then you know, if you want to actually start taking some action. You know, account-based advertising to engage your accounts at the top of the funnel is a tried and true tactic. So, listen, I'd love to chat with you more. Come check out our the demand-based booth. I'll be there, and some other folks will be there. We can answer your questions, show you, you know, show this to you, stuff to you if you like, um, or hit me up on uh, LinkedIn. Just make sure you mention you heard me in this presentation. With that, everybody, thank you very much for your time, your energy. And I, uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation.
1: Oh man, John is honestly a plethora of knowledge and one of my favorite people to learn from. I hope you guys got some good tips on implementing account-based best practices, engaging accounts in conjunction with sales and the tools you need to succeed moving forward. For more from John, I'd love for you guys to check out my video series. It's called CXO Conversations on Demand Gen Report. And I actually had a really great conversation with John about all things ABM recently. So I'll toss the link in the show notes for whoever is interested in checking it out. Before I go, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Our B2B sales and marketing exchange will be back in Boston this August. Yeah you're thinking that correctly. I'm talking about a real in-person live event and we're so excited to have gotten the green light to bring you B2B SMX in person in the safest way possible. It's gonna be a little more intimate, of course, but the content is gonna be just as stellar as ever. Our website is live now, so check it out, sign up for updates, and I'll even include the press release in our show notes so you could get all of the details on B2B SMX. Well, that's a wrap for me today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, subscribe to The Pod on the podcast streaming channel of your choice, and hit me up on LinkedIn and Twitter with feedback, questions, and guest suggestions, of course. Well, take care, folks. I'll catch you next time.